0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassat and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, podcast listeners. Greetings, indeed. Uh, If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, I just wanted to let you know that we're happy that you've, you've joined us on this wonderful occasion to talk to two automotive journalists. That's me and Ben. And we've got a lot of really neat cars to talk to you about today. So, Ben, you want to take it away, or should I? Chances are they're probably not talking to us, Sammy, because podcasting is a one-way medium. Well, I'm open for any sort of conversation. I mean, there's you, but I'd also like to talk to other people about cars sometimes.
1: Psychically, Sammy is very well-endowed, so if you do want to
0: send him vibes about cars, he is receptive to that. Um, I'm, I've, never heard, I've never been so flattered with that term before. Um, let's talk about what I drove this past week. I went all the way to Croatia to drive the brand new Mercedes-Benz A-Class.
1: Why Why did you go to Croatia? Is the A-Class a vehicle that's been sold in Europe for a while and we're just getting it now? Or
0: That's exactly the reason, Ben. Uh, the A-Class is super popular uh, in everywhere but North America. And for now, only Canada is going to get it. So there's that change that's coming. Wait, and... why, why is... So back up a little mm-hmm. bit. What is the yes. A-Class
1: and why isn't it sold here? Yet? Why isn't it sold here right now?
0: Well, I'm not sure why it's why it's, sold, why it's not sold here right now, but I'll tell you straight up, it's a hatchback, and I think that might have something to do with the way it's sold in North America. Um, Americans are particularly are known to be particularly stingy when it comes to buying hatchbacks; they prefer sedans, which is why they 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 brought a coupe-like version, a coupe sedan version, a four-door coupe, I think is the best way to describe it, Man. of the A-Class, and they call it the CLA, and that's what was here in the last generation of the A-Class.
1: So the is the A-Class you drove, is it the same size as the CLA, or is it smaller?
0: It's about the same size, actually, but it's got a hatchback, so it's got a little bit more trunk space and a little bit more headroom than what I remember in the CLA before. So it's kind of uh, what Mercedes is doing is kind of the opposite of what Audi did with the A3, where they
1: brought the Sportback version first and mm-hmm. then the sedan, and then got rid of the Sportback. So now we, we, we have the sedan that came first in the CLA, and now they're bringing the hatchback. But again, only to Canada.
0: Yeah, very likely. There is an A-class sedan, and they revealed that in, the, in I think, Auto China, which is a, an auto show in China. And <laughs> um, they revealed the A-class sedan there, and that's very likely to come to the U.S. As far as I understand, that's confirmed to come to the U.S., but okay. not the hatchback. Okay, so did you drive the sedan at all? No, no sedan. I didn't even see one. are
1: are they well, you said they were really popular. I thought they would be I thought the parking lots would be filled with A classes. but
0: not the A class sedan. Ben, pay attention, man.
1: All right, so we only saw these A class hatchbacks. So, at the risk of half our audience tuning out, <laughs> they is, probably
0: did already when the, I when said you when,
1: to, when you said yeah. Canada only, yeah, no. But uh, is there any mechanical difference between the sedan and the hatch? Are they they're the same vehicle with with a different body, right? Please, please I tell me so. That.
0: As far as I can tell, that's that's gonna be the case. As far but as you we can tell, to, I need you to yeah. know. Well man, they just revealed it on the on past weekend and I drove the car during the reveal of the sedan. I drove the hatchback during the reveal of the sedan in a different place.
1: You have so many excuses but so few facts. Tell tell us more <laughs> Tell us more about this hatchback.
0: Okay, well, so the hatchback is pretty much the basis of all of Mercedes-Benz compact cars, all the front-wheel drive-based compact cars. So you remember the CLA that came to North America, it was also the basis of the GLA. In fact, if you imagine the GLA without the body cladding and a lower ride height, that's what the A-Class would have been. But the new version of it, um, I think it fixes a lot of the problems that I had with the old GLA and CLA. Um, and I think that was a pretty long list, um, I'm, I am I'm will go on record to say that the CLA and GLA were not impressive vehicles in any in any way, but um, instead they were just a badge, a car with a badge for a really low cost. So um, uh,
1: you, you mentioned that front-wheel drive, now when the CLA came to North America, it was only available in all-wheel drive.
0: Okay, so in Canada we can get the A-Class as a front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive. Uh, I mean sorry or all wheel drive vehicles.
1: So it's kind of like and 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 to our American listeners um the B class has also been available in Canada for a long time which was kind of like a hatchback version of the A class. I, I think it was it's slightly bigger. So uh, Mercedes has treaded in the uh front wheel drive territory in North America before but they've never really they've never actually ever done it in the United States. So I'm going to have to assume that when the sedan arrives mm-hmm. in the US it's going to be all wheel drive.
0: I think that's a safe assumption to make. And you know what? They've actually changed the um, all-wheel drive system in this car. And I think they've picked up a little bit from the AMG division. If you remember the CLA 45 and the GLA 45, they had uh, an all-wheel drive system that was – it sent power 50-50 to the front and rear wheels um, whenever you started from a stop. And now the A-Class does that as well. In the past, it was always front-wheel drive until – Slippage was detected, and then it would send power to the rear wheels.
1: Kind of like uh, Honda's old real-time four-wheel drive system, I believe it was called. Remember that?
0: I don't remember. I think, that. I think yes, it was on. I the, imagine you're. I imagine you're right.
1: I think it was on the first CRVs. I, I just love how it was called real-time. Like, like somehow there is <laughs> another all-wheel drive that operates in a different type of tense. time, like bullet time all-wheel drive, where like <laughs> as soon as you lose traction, everything just slows down, and the wheels start to spin really mm. slowly, and then like Neo appears beside you in the passenger seat. And, and you go, he says,
0: whoa, whoa, you need to yeah. take your foot off the gas. And then, bam, you, you don't even remember it happening. Um, but you know what? Why did you bring up the all-wheel drive system? I mean, let's talk about the CLA and the GLA. Those were two cars that were li- riddled with all kinds of problems. I mean, I can talk to you about um, how stiff it was, how loud it was, how the interior net didn't look like the rest of the Mercedes-Benz lineup. I can talk to you about how that transmission that it used to have was a complete dud. The seven-speed um, DCT. It was so bad, Ben. The old DCT transmission, it, there were times when you would put your foot on the gas and you were wondering if you were putting your foot on the, on no, the gas. No, I can
1: remember that. There, were, there was a huge amount of lag off the line where you, you it initially wouldn't move at all, but the engine would, would rev and the vehicle mm-hmm. wouldn't move. So it was, it was very un-Mercedes-like in how that transmission operated.
0: I am very happy to, re- to report that the car has has fixed many of these problems. I will say that the transmission is not um, a, a benchmark in its class. I still think when it comes to a, a compact dual-clutch transmission, what we've seen in, the, in Audi products in the past have been really, really strong um, and almost perfect. But these ones are much better, especially off the line. Um, the only problem I have was at high speed – I mean high – RPM gear changes, but not full throttle gear changes, sometimes a bit like uh, hesitant to change gears. But I remember, I imagine that's just a a transmission tuning or maybe um, throttle position, something like that. It was just not picking up whether it should change gears or keep going yet.
1: Well, I'm assuming that the transmission is also probably tuned for fuel mileage, to to prioritize fuel mileage, right? Because this is an entry-level compact hatchback or subcompact hatchback, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And it's not... Compact, I think, is right. It it has a luxury badge, but at the same time, it's a budget-oriented... You know, yeah. it's, it's weird. Yeah, budget, right. budget luxury right. is a weird thing. And it's something that Mercedes has never really done in North America until the CLA and GLA. But yeah. the people who are shopping for this car, they, they, I think you kind of have to manage your expectations. And um, the Mercedes knows that. And so it's it's not about all out performance. It's, it's about, you know, here's a car that fits into your lifestyle in the city. Here's a car that's not going to kill you at the fuel pump. And here's a price you could afford, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. In the past, the only elements I really enjoyed about the CLA um, was the engine was pretty good. The transmission let it down, but the engine was good. And I found it to be pretty agile feeling. I mean, I remember the the steering and the suspension to work really, really well to deliver a sporty ride. But the result of that was that it was really loud and it was actually really stiff. I remember it being almost unruly, especially on some of the broken pavement that, um, you know, post-winter pavement. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and all of that. I would say that this is far softer than I remember the CLA ever being. It was, it It feels like it rides like a Mercedes now, a compact Mercedes, and I'm really impressed by that. Um, and I'm happy with, with the steering tuning, it's it's fine. Uh, it's not a sports car, but um, it's well weighted and there's a lot of different um, drive modes to select from. So you can, you know, you have the eco mode, the comfort mode, and the sport mode, and there's well as well an individual mode to, you know, Mix and match things to your preference. So but you 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 made a really good point. You talked about compact car buyers, and you know what? Some people think if you were to buy a thirty thousand dollar Mercedes, why not just get a fully loaded uh, Golf or or you know another compact car? And I think the CLA has fine sorry the A class has finally fixed that problem. Not only is the car really pretty looking but it delivers on far more things and it does things that no cars in the class does specifically with the infotainment system which is all new um and really high tech
1: and is it standard
0: as far as i can tell yeah um this is the it's called MBUX which i thought was going to be called was going to be shortened to MBUX but apparently that sounds too much like a car lo- loyalty rewards program Whoa. um and pause for call- laughter thanks ben <laughs> Um, but they didn't want us calling it that MBUX. Um, and MBUX is a new infotainment system. If you remember the old Mercedes system was called command and command was usable, but a little clunky at times. Well, Mbox came out earlier this
1: year at CES. I think we, we talked about it then.
0: Mm -hmm. So this is a touch screen system. It also has uh, a touchpad, kind of like a Lexus remote touch. Remember what's that one called? Remote touch.
1: Yeah. Remote touch.
0: Um, but it's completely optional to use the touchpad on that. You also have two trackpads. They're kind of like little nubs that you would see on a um, a Lenovo ThinkPad. Wait, so, so how many ways are there to interact? There's two nubs, there's a trackpad, and there's a touchscreen? And there's a voice interface as well, a fully, a really well-featured voice interface.
1: Well, that's that's a lot of, uh, wow. I mean,
0: why? I would, so I would probably what, what, say, yes.
1: Well, why why so many ways? Like, what's the advantage of all of this?
0: I think giving people an option to, will help them, especially when the when the options all work so well, um, will give them the opportunity to pick and choose whatever they feel is most natural. I will say that the touchpad seemed the touchpad on the on the center console seemed like the least likely and the least intuitive way to operate the system. I preferred the touchscreen, um, and the and the voice recognition in this car is is as good as a Google Home or Amazon Alexa. It is absolutely stunning how good that this, uh, this system is to do all kinds of things in the car. Not just like, in the past, you would use the voice command system to say, um, call somebody or navigate somewhere. But this this goes well beyond that. I'm pretty impressed by it.
1: So uh, uh, my, my next question, I guess, is, well, I have a couple things to say, but my, my question about the interface itself, how many buttons and dials does it replace? Do you still have any kind of hard buttons in the car?
0: Yeah, you definitely still have um, HVAC controls. You have um, uh, a, a little slider for not a slider. It was a it's a knob of some kind. I can't remember what you how you describe this, but for volume controls, for example, um, and other rockers for you know drive mode selectors and stuff like that. So there's still some buttons, but the car has just looked. It just has this ten beautiful ten inch screen, um, and there's another ten inch screen in front of the driver, like a digital dash a digital dashboard or a digital cockpit that puts like the likes of Audi's virtual cockpit to shame.
1: To shame. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's infinitely better than the. It is
0: so good, man. And it's full of all kinds of, it's like super customizable. You can get all sorts of information on there. You're not just stuck to like whatever interface that Audi has like decided this is right for you. You can change one half of the screen or one third of the screen. You can make that look like dials. You can put a map on the other half of the digital cockpit. It's unbelievably uh, accessible for for your kind of setup. So, but you're right. There's a lot going on with the, with the way to interact with this first. For example, when you were to set, if you were to set it up, if you were to set it up um, your first try or whatever, your first time, and, this is your, and you're happy with the way you've gotten the whole car, like laid out you can actually save that as a theme so that when you get into another car or you change too many settings again you can just say go back to that theme and the car will will return to that feature it's kind of like a profile
1: i'm going to play devil's advocate here for a second and just talk about interface design for a bit when you have an interface that has so many different ways to interact with it touch trackpad and and the weird nubs that you were talking about i think it's difficult to make a good experience for all of those things I mm-hmm. think that you kind of have to prioritize certain interactions with the screen too mm-hmm. and the system itself, which means that others are going to be deprioritized. So when when you try to make it accessible in so many different ways, you end up with something that's not great all around. Whereas if if you focus on making a great touch screen or a great trackpad experience, then you're mm-hmm. only gonna then you're gonna put all of your resources in making a UI that works well with your one selected method of of input.
0: I think I I, I completely agree with you. That's why I said before, I think that trackpad, any of the trackpad um, methods of operation are probably deprioritized. I think this car really benefits from the touchscreen or really excels by being used with the touchscreen and the the voice commands. Okay. So let me tell you, though, this voice commands, you can operate with a keyword, like a voice keyword. I wish it was customizable, but if you just say, hey, Mercedes, the car will ask for an input and you can say you can say hey mercedes change the radio station or do the navigation but you can also like just say normal stuff like um i'm feeling cold and it'll turn on the heat uh you can also tell it to change the ambient lighting in the car you can tell it to open the windows you can even operate this voice recognition system while the sunroof is open which is really impressive to be honest um and then there's other things there's integration into like say yelp ratings or other um databases so if you said in fact we used it to find the best ice cream in croatia um and it gave us a really good answer so we were really impressed by that kind of stuff
1: so if you were i'm curious about the back seat of the vehicle because i know in the cla okay, the back seat yeah. is not great uh mm-hmm. and i'm assuming the trunk space is good because it's a hatch but if you were sitting in the back i mean is this like, is this a two-person car or is this something a, a small family could theoretically use
0: Okay, so in the CLA, I remember the the headroom being brutal, just absolutely brutal, and that's not the case in the uh, A class. Uh, I imagine the headroom, I mean, the hatchback body design has a lot to do with it, but it feels just so much more um, accessible than the than the outgoing car. And additionally, I need to add that. The, the interior design of this car has improved quite a bit. Uh, it's stylish, it looks more in line with the modern Mercedes that are coming out now. There's still some hard plastics in there, but as you said, there has to be a little bit of a trade-off when you're getting an affordable um, vehicle. And I remember in the past, the old CLA had a lot of exposed like metal inside the car, like especially around the, the door panels. And you can still see some of that, but it's less than before, that's for sure. They've also done a lot to improve the the sound deadening in this car. Again, like I said, they they just seem to have refined the car and made it feel more like a Mercedes um, than the old cars ever were.
1: So, I mean, that's really heartening, the fact that they...
0: They I took mean, criticism, I think. they They took their criticism.
1: Well, I'd also be curious to see what sales were like because the European market is not the North American market and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So not having experience over here with this type of vehicle is definitely a handicap when you're coming in for the first time.
0: That is true, uh, and that's why I think they're probably going to stick to that sedan until somebody says otherwise. Um, I should probably tell you a little bit about the motor. They've upgraded the motor as well. It's got a two liter turbocharged engine. It makes two hundred and twenty one horsepower and two hundred and fifty eight pound feet of torque. You should be happy that we're getting this engine because the other engines that are available around the world in this car are complete duds, man. they're loud, they're obnoxious, they're slow. Um, and this car comes with some this engine comes with some interesting technology that i I really wish I could explain better um but they have funny names uh one is called conic shape and the other one is called uh camtronic wow and yeah. uh okay so uh conic shape has a lot to do with the um the piston cylinder lining and uh, the shape of your conic <laughs> Yes. Uh they call it I think trumpet honing something to do with um I don't think we can say trumpet honing and still
1: maintain our iTunes position.
0: Okay then, let's continue on to the camtronic. Can we say camtronic? Uh, yeah, the survey says yes. And that's just a a different sort of variable valve cam timing um that's been offered to the that's been put into the cars uh motor. It, honestly it gave me a lot of the um, satisfaction driving this car especially after driving the GLA and the CLA which were which were cars that I I did not want to ever be in um, they were they're were decently priced they had a nice badge on the front they were they looked okay but um, they offered a really poor driving experience and something that I just didn't think was befitting of a Mercedes at the very least with this new a class if you don't care for the style and if you still think it's loud and 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 unrefined which i think is is it's not at the very least you have a very high-tech cabin and one that just is not replicated anywhere else in the industry i should also add that this car has like those connected features um that we're always making fun of you know like those those features that are like <laughs> oh i need to pre preset my cabin temperature or lock my doors um for my smartphone or something like that but um you can actually Perform those functions using a Google Home or a Google uh, or Amazon Alexa or upcoming um, HomePod. So there's even more connectivity. It just seems like it's hitting a target demographic. I mean, these cars are meant to be really the the way for younger a younger demographic to enter the Mercedes line, the Mercedes product portfolio. And I think by focusing on technology and style, um, as well as a low price, they're able to do that.
1: Well, I, this week. I drove a different vehicle that focused on technology and style. Mm-hmm. And uh it's kind of aiming at a, a a the polar opposite demographic I think. And a lot of that has to do with price, but I think image is also part of it. And that's the, the redesigned twenty eighteen Lincoln Navigator.
0: Okay. Wait, hold up. I didn't even talk about the price of this A class, so I'm, I'm expecting it to be about thirty thousand or thirty-five thousand dollars, and that's all I got to say. Okay. How much could your how, could, how much could your Lincoln Navigator?
1: How much could it cost? It could yeah. cost over one hundred oh, thousand dollars in the okay. U.S. market. Oh,
0: okay. So like three times the cost of this. Three mistake. times
1: the cost, and the one I drove was not even. So that uh, that's the black label version of the Lincoln, which mm-hmm. is essentially ten to fifteen thousand dollars more than any of the standard versions of any Lincoln product. I'm not really sure what Black Label gives you other than exclusivity and uh, styling changes. And I guess there's equipment in there as well. But the version of the truck I had was the Reserve, and it was the L version, too, so it was extended. It's mm-hmm. the the full full boat Lincoln Navigator. And it was $96,000 as, as cool. I equipped.
0: I always wonder if these long wheelbase models are, like, super necessary, if the, or the longer or the, or the short wheelbase models are super necessary. I always feel like there should just be one option. Like, I don't know why the long wheelbase one is even an option sometimes. Well, I the, think if you're going to get a Navigator, you want the big one, right?
1: No, I can tell you why. Uh, <laughs> no, because the long the long wheelbase one, first of all, I don't think it looks as good. I think the re- the design looks better on a short wheelbase. But if you live in the city, this thing is a hassle and a half because it is long, it is big, and you have to park it. Uh, the, the L editions of these vehicles, same with the Expedition and the Suburban instead of the, the Tahoe, they exist for people who need cargo space when they have a full load of passengers. So if you have the third row occupied, you still need cargo space. You're going to want the extended version because in a in a in the regular Navigator, it's not as you know there's not as much room to stuff all that luggage back there if you've got all seven or eight rows sorry seats occupied. The other thing is towing. If you want to if you if you want to tow, you want more stability. Um, the long wheelbase version of the truck will give you that. But okay. all that to say. Uh, I, I hadn't driven the Navigator in a couple of years. I drove the previous generation one, and I was not impressed. I, I like the older Navigators, but it had really fallen off in 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 age. It just, technology-wise, um, the way it drove, power-wise, it was an extremely non-competitive product. Flash forward to today, to today, for 2018, the Navigator, it's gotten rid of its V8 engine. It's gone now. You have a 450-horsepower EcoBoost V6 under the hood now. Mm-hmm. The interior is incredible, just in terms of how much better it feels compared to the previous version. It's just, the materials are excellent, the layout is, it's logical, it makes sense, there's tons of storage everywhere in the vehicle. Um, It really walks away from the airport shuttle feel that the previous Navigator had kind of inhabited.
0: That's huge. That's absolutely what it needed to do.
1: Yeah, and uh it's it's elegant inside it looks elegant. There are some areas where you have kind of a parts bin parts bin type of feel uh the switches on the on the steering wheel for stereo and whatnot uh some of the switches on the dashboard. But the way the screens are, are used, the menu systems, the the actual materials, the dashboards made out of, the seats themselves, everything felt very high end. In, in fact, it, it felt you know the, in the way that the Escalade feels uh, high end, and, and perhaps even more so in some areas.
0: Interesting. So this is really this is really important because the Navigator has I at least I feel that the, in the past the Navigator was really lacking in this executive um, SUV. Um, you know class it, the the Escalade was better the QX80 was always a bargain um what other cars can we think of in this lineup maybe the GLS Class, um, Mercedes. Yeah, the
1: GLS is kind of up there too. There's and I a, used
0: to, yeah. I used to put the, the Navigator below all those things, but this new one seems to really stick it in terms of. First of all, there's the design. I think it looks really good. Although you say that that L model is. Yeah, a little... the L
1: is the L looks more awkward. It, it's just not okay. as attractive as the regular one. But that's true of a lot of extended wheelbase SUVs.
0: But, what do you um, think of that front that new front end? I mean, and that new you know, the headlight design and, and it just seems smoother. It looks better than a Ford, I think. Ever I
1: could. think it looks good. It's it's a it's very um it attracts attention. It's hard really? to deny. Oh yeah. It's it has definite presence. I mean Cool. It's which is what you want. If you're driving a vehicle this size, you obviously don't care about blending in, which is good because this vehicle does it. You know, uh, and I, I took it on a very a fairly long road trip, and I was very impressed by how comfortable it felt. Uh, it has 510 pound feet of torque, so if you want to pass, you can just pass anytime you want. Even though it's a super heavy, super large vehicle, uh, fuel mileage wasn't horrible. I, I mean, it was it, better than
0: that uh, Armada, and it was much esc- better than, than the, the Armada that you had a while back.
1: It was much better than the Armada. Uh, I used three quarters of a tank. I drove about 300 miles, and I mm-hmm. used three quarters of a tank. Let me just yes. do the conversion. That's not
0: bad, but it might just have the biggest fuel tank. Oh, it has an enormous tank. It cost me
1: $100 to fill up here in Canada. But uh, let me just do the miles per gallon conversion. So I, I got 15 miles per gallon roughly okay. on the combined driving I did and probably 17 on the highway. Mm. So I don't know what the factory rating is. <laughs> I would have I would have liked it closer to 20
0: on that highway. On that highway yeah, system.
1: I wasn't able to get 20. That's, um, that's rough. Yeah, well, uh, you know, what can you do? It's a big vehicle. Actually, uh, you know what? I was probably maybe around like 17, 18 on the highway looking okay. right now. Okay,
0: all right. Uh, what else can you tell me about this thing? I mean, was it uh, what about that interior? I mean, you you mentioned that it feels better than the old luxury the old rental or limo, airport limo. Um, that's a big deal. I'm into that. Um what else can you what else can you tell me about this? I mean, the the materials are solid? It, do you think they would be improved better in a in a different trim level or or better or no, there it?
1: there is no different trim level. This is the highest Navigator you can get unless you get the Black Label, okay. which is just the ridiculous level. Um, so uh, there, but for the most part, everything was cool. I, I have a big one, really big problem with the truck, and mm-hmm. that's for some reason Lincoln has put the start stop button on top of the dashboard. So the the dashboard kind of has this this pil- not like a. It's in three pieces Mm -hmm. and the center section is, you know, it's this big wide piece and directly between, it's between the steering wheel and the pop-up, not the pop-up screen, but the screen, which sticks up from the dashboard. It's sitting on top. Right underneath that, where every single other car company would put its start button is another button. It's a big dial for towing. So my truck had the towing package, which meant you can dial in uh, the the trailer backup assist system. Mm -hmm. It's exactly where you would start the vehicle. So every what single the? time, every <laughs> single time I got into the vehicle, I hit the trailer backup button, and I would hit the trailer backup button to turn it off too. There is no reason that this had to happen. It is just on. I think on every vehicle I've ever driven that has a trailer assist system, it's on the far left, so you would never do this.
0: <laughs> That's so but, funny.
1: Yeah, Lincoln, it's a huge ergonomic fail. Uh, it's just weird uh so much of the rest of the truck is well done and then there's this um it also has a push button transmission and the buttons are underneath the center um screen and the air vents that are on that just below that screen and it's kind of like a what? they're kind of like keys so you like hit there's a big key for park and then there's a reverse neutral and drive okay. so they've kind of moved away from having that touch button feel that they were using on on some of their other products i think i think it works fine i mean it's, uh, hold on,
0: give me a sec. I need to see a, a photo of this. You keep talking. Let me. I need to find something.
1: I have nothing else to say, Sammy. I oh, was no, totally, is, re- I was got, totally yeah. relying on handing you. It got out to stall, you got a stall, Ben.
0: Um, okay. So wait, hold <laughs> up. These 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 buttons are underneath the these. Bu- oh, here you sent me them. I'm trying to. Oh yeah, they're all the way the. De- oh, they're like toggle switches.
1: Yeah, they're like toggle switches. But look, I right where
0: that, that 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 start stop button is. Yeah, that that's other brutal. That's never gonna work for anybody. <laughs> no, that's insane. Not. And how many times did you press the trailer back up? Every single trying, time. Oh, no. Um, it is interesting to see that the toggle switches kind of take up half of that little uh, chrome bezel that they're, they're placed on. And I was thinking that if that's a touchscreen, I was trying to think of if it was below the touchscreen in a way that you'd have to use, you'd have to put your, your thumb to brace your hand no. using it so you don't need no, to not at all. that here. It's a very attractive design to be honest, except for that um start stop button. And that wood trim looks really slick. Did your car have that wood trim?
1: Yeah, it did. It it like I said, the interior is well put together. There's there's a bunch of quirky stuff in the truck too. Like uh they have different drive modes in, in the navigator now. Oh, and, it's just what we all needed. Well they have fun names. Like if you wanted the sport mode is called Excite. And like That's you turn it Just one turn, excite. Yeah, you turn to the far left and you get to excite. And on the screen in front of you, it says excite. And like, <laughs> it's there's like, a, I think just,
0: there's like, what would you? What, what does Matthew McConaughey come on the speakers and say? Excite?
1: No, that wouldn't be exciting. That would be that would be relaxing. Oh, uh, yeah. it, it, but it shows like, the, I think it's a picture of a, a globe. Like, there's all the drive modes have various globe themes. Mm -hmm. um there's an eco mode that's not called eco i think it's called conserve i'm not sure but the reason i'm mentioning this is because the the gauge cluster is a an lcd screen kind of like what you were talking about with the a-class except it's super minimalist it's -hmm. like a black monolith and there's a a analog style speedometer in the middle but there's no numbers it just like moves and when the needle moves the number that's attached to the needle moves too and on either side it's just blank and if you want to put stuff there you can but you can't put a lot of stuff there like i'm you're able to put the trip info you're able to put some vehicle information you're able to put the name of the song you're listening to oh, on the man. stereo or you can have it across the top but it, it's super minimalist I, I have to assume it's on purpose. I don't think I was overlooking the option to put a ton of stuff in the center, into center, sorry, not the center console, but the, uh, the gauge cluster. Um, They kind of make up for it by putting this really hyper info filled, heads up display that is projected in front of you. Um, There's a lot of information that's in there, which is cool, but uh, it's just something different from Lincoln. I mean, and that's what we needed. We needed something that was different because what they were doing before didn't work. And to stand out, you can't be like everybody else, and you can't be like what you were before. So I'm really happy that the Navigator has just moved forward in time. And and we were talking a couple of weeks ago about how no one really buys these big trucks. Hmm. The car companies make them because they're profitable they don't cost a lot to build the platforms are well understood they've they've gotten all their investment back on their tooling it uses the same engine as you would find in an f-150 or actually the raptor given it's the 450 horsepower version so you know it's it's a well understood package i believe this comes with a 10-speed automatic transmission is is that right sammy
0: yeah it comes with a 10-speed yeah
1: so it's it's all stuff that they've grabbed from other parts of their you know ford lincoln empire and it's okay if if they sell 50,000 a year or they sell 20,000 a year. They don't have to sell 400,000 like they do with the F150. So, um it's it, it's a niche market, but there aren't many vehicles that can do what this one can do and that's tow ridiculous amounts of trailer weight while filled to the brim with people.
0: Okay, first of all, I'm looking at what this in what this um digital dashboard looks like. I like it. I like the minimalist style. I think that looks really sharp and classy. Um, But the other question I had was about the seats. Do these have the incredibly um, complicated, like, 30-way power seats? They did. They had this, and I found it almost impossible
1: to get comfortable.
0: (laughs) So, do you have the same problem I have, which is, like, I'm sure this could get more. Com- you you you're fiddling around with it for like maybe two minutes and you're like, no, this is almost right. And then you're like five minutes in the car and you're like, I'm sure this can be more comfortable. It's... And then like ten minutes, you're like, fuck, I'm late for where I have to go.
1: <laughs> these are these are seats that um I sh- they 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 have a individual leg supports that extend forward yeah, yeah, yeah. so your left leg can be extended forward more than your right leg. And my legs are different lengths. I don't know how many of our listeners have yeah, different yeah. length There's legs probably a lot
0: of people who can relate yeah.
1: to that you don't have to you don't have to add us about it but um <laughs> it's it's too much it's like it's just i couldn't figure out what the optimal position was and i kept fiddling with the seats the entire week i had the truck so it was i mean just give me a preset that makes sense for the 95th percentile human being and i'll probably be okay with that
0: um, and did it also have the massage functions then? If it has, it did. That, right? It did.
1: I did not use it because I get too excited, so I didn't want to. Right. But I I want to go back to those drive modes. I found a list of them, um, and uh, I was right about conserve. That's for the efficient driving, and that shows you a picture of the globe covered in clouds, which is cool. There's excite, of course, um, but there's there's and normal, which is th- here's here's something that's a little strange. <laughs> normal is effortless and balanced. But Mm -hmm. there's also normal 4x4 auto. So you're not in four-wheel drive unless you go to normal 4x4 auto. Oh, okay. But then if things get real, you can switch to slow climb, which is (laughs) low speed power and control.
0: Can you say that again?
1: Slow climb.
0: Slow climb.
1: I like it. I I don't know.
0: I think there's another one that I've found called deep conditions, (laughs) which is right up my alley. Tell me more about deep conditions. I don't know. Yeah, you tell me about deep conditions.
1: <laughs> Am I making um, that
0: up? Is there, isn't there one called deep conditions? Yes, uh, I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Phew, that was really embarrassing for a minute.
1: Now, um, Sammy. Yes? You should never be embarrassed by your deep conditions.
0: I have many but... deep
1: conditions. <laughs> But uh, I just want to say that as much as we're having fun with these different names for these driving modes, this is a car having personality. And this is a company finally trying to find an identity after so many years of wandering the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And I really like that, and I want to support that. And I I like the Navigator. I can recommend it alongside the Escalade. It's a very different experience in terms of drivetrain and kind of approach
0: of you've got to be you've got to be a bit more de- decisive than that you got to tell me no i don't like, have
1: i don't yeah. think so no i don't think so i don't my favorite is the qx80 is that what you want me to say Sam? that's exactly <laughs> what i need you to say <laughs> but uh the navigator is is finally a vehicle i could actually recommend again and, and I, i'm i'm happy with that and it, it was a great road trip road trip choice if you have an unlimited gas budget especially mm-hmm. but uh yeah um but you know while we're on the subject of Ford and Lincoln, there's some news that came out today that I think we totally have to address on the on the podcast, and that's that Ford released their um, their quarterly – first quarter income okay. for this year. Are and we really they, doing
0: business news on the Unnamed Automotive Podcast?
1: Yeah, we are because – while they released their quarterly income report, they also said that they will, over the next few years, eliminate every single passenger car they make except the Mustang what? and the Focus Active Crossover, which is coming
0: out next year. No, that can't be.
1: Yeah, it's exactly what they said. Over the next few years, the Ford.
0: Yeah, geez. Um, I don't like that, Ben. I don't like that one bit because I really like the Focus and I think the Fiesta is really good.
1: The company uh, is also exploring, this is a quote from the, from the press release, quote, new white space vehicle silhouettes that combine the best attributes of cars and utilities, such as higher ride height, space, and versatility. So I guess that would be crossovers.
0: More crossovers. Can I tell you, where does the C-Max lay in all of this?
1: Who knows, but this means that vehicles like the Fusion are gone, the Focus oh. is going to be gone, the Fiesta is going to be gone, the Taurus is going to be
0: gone. That's a lot of... Sad. Ooh, I'm just looking at this, this focus cross. What is it? Focus active? It looks like a focus cross track.
1: So, uh, it, this is kind of a big deal because Ford is essentially pulling out of the car market. Um, does this mean they're giving up on cars it, because they're losing money on them? Or does this mean they feel that no one wants to buy cars? Is it, is it that no one wants to buy cars or is it that no one wants to buy
0: Ford cars? This is really weird. Ben, I can't figure out. First of all, this is in North America specific. And I know that small cars are are popular around the world. And Ford in the past had a very global focus on its car development. Why would you make a Fiesta in one market for it only to succeed in one market? Why would you sell a car uh, or why would you limit that offering in North America, especially if they're made in like Mexico or something? And there's free trade to bring them up or, up here, at least for now. You know, uh,
1: the, the other issue that I have with what Ford is doing what happens when gas prices go up again and you don't have a single car in your lineup?
0: Isn't that what the whole purpose of them having all of these other cars was? Like that was the whole point. That was what made them do their thing. It was. It was. This seems really reactionary. I don't think this can really be a, a future. Um, I don't think this is going to be a really future stra- a strong future strategy. I don't think. I think they're vague on the numbers for a reason. On the number of years for a reason. The, the other the car sold two. There were two hundred nine Fusions sold last year. Two hundred
1: nine thousand. Sorry, that's a well, ton. Th- they might not be making any money on those. The other issue, like just because they sell them, they might not be making a profit. The other issue is, what does this do to Ford's crossover sorry, a hybrid lineup? Because yeah. the, the Fusion Energy and the C Max, which is going to be gone. I just I and just the read Focus that. EV. So all of those vehicles, all of Ford's all of Ford's existing electric vehicles and battery assisted vehicles were cars. And won't those have a future. Be, they'll be, they'll be gone.
0: A, yeah. They'll be put in a uh in a in a crossover of some kind.
1: Well, and we know that there's a there's a hybrid F-150 that's coming,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: hybrid trucks are not nearly as efficient as their, you know, sedan and coupe brethren because they're so much heavier. That's just the way it is is physics, you can't do much about it. So, wow, this is just a move that impacts so many areas of Ford's portfolio and so many aspects of how it interacts with its customers. It's really hard to understand it, and it's mind-blowing that a company like Ford is walking away from cars, and a company like Chrysler is still selling cars, even though they only have, like, (laughs) three cars in their lineup or two cars. (laughs) Like
0: what? And they're the same car, aren't they?
1: so it's it's you know it's the charger unexpected. and the
0: 300 is that what you're talking about
1: yeah and yeah. and it's it's unex- well and there's the challenger too but it's which is also the same platform it's just such an unexpected move
0: and yeah, heard, i don't yeah we heard something similar like this happening in the in the past but we're still this past year we saw cars like automakers double down on popular car i mean cars that have always sold well the camry the accord Um, The Stinger, for example, is another car that got um, revamped. The the Sonata and the Ultima have new updates on the way. I can't imagine this being a a thing going forward. And Ford is a massive company. It's not like Mazda, which we talked about last week. Mazda upgraded their Mazda 6. Um, They could have easily killed it off, right? Like, it could have been easy for them to do that.
1: I think what we're seeing here is this is clearly a move that's about Ford, and it's not a move that's about the future of the auto industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important to keep in mind. Uh, This points to, I don't know if it's issues or problems inside of Ford, whether it's profitability, whether it's lack of a future direction in, in the car market, whether they're just having so much success with crossovers and trucks, they don't feel like investing in cars anymore, whether the idea that they can be a single market a car company, kind of like Jeep, kind of like Land Rover, where they only focus on trucks and that's more profitable. Ultimately, they have to make money. And if that's how they've identified the way that they're going to do it, there's not much that can be done.
0: That's really, to me, that's really tough, especially having driven just a small compact car um, and I absolutely loved it. And this is something that I, I always feel. I think cars still have a very tangible purpose in this, in this, on the road out there. And I find that crossovers can be expensive in, in ways that cars aren't. No, um, for sure.
1: and and if you end up, you know what's what will ha- let's say the world walks away from cars, there will still be companies making cars. There have to and be, those yeah. those companies will be selling a lot of cars. but if you if you have any ideas about you know how you feel about Ford no longer making cars except for the Mustang and whatever this future focus thing is, please get a hold of us. You can do so on Twitter. It's uh, Sammy's handle is at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. and mine is at Hunting Benjamin. You can also email me. Benjamin
0: at BenjaminHunting.com. I don't prefer to be emailed, but if you do reach out to us, you can do that as well on Facebook. You can find us there, just Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Um, and you can go to our website. That's UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com. And if you're not a subscriber, you can subscribe to the podcast using whatever your favorite podcast client is. Right yeah, we are, there.
1: we are all over the place. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. We're on uh,
0: Spotify. Yeah, you can listen on... to us alongside all of your favorite Drake jams.
1: Yeah, that's exactly why we're on there, and he has endorsed our podcast repeatedly on his mixtapes. So, Sammy, what, what will you be? What we? What will we be talking about next week? What are your plans for next week?
0: Okay, so I'm on a uh, on a bit of a personal vacation, but I do have a car lined up for me, as far as I understand. I'm going to the Middle East, Dubai. Um, to I'll be picking up a Range Rover. No, not a Range Rover, a Land Rover Discovery. And I think I might make a stop at the Abu Dhabi um, Ferrari World theme park. So maybe I'll have some fun stuff to talk about when I get back. How that about you? What are you up to? Th-
1: that sounds pretty cool. I'm, I'm going to be driving the new Genesis G70 on a racetrack.
0: Whoa! So
1: I'm very curious. This is the the new performance, entry-level performance sedan from Genesis. Again, a company that doesn't make any SUVs <laughs> at all. It just makes sedans and and uh for, for now so they clearly believe in the future of the luxury sedan yeah and sedans in general and i'm very curious to see how that works out because it's a car i've wanted to drive i've been very impressed with the g80 and the g90 and the g70 if it walks in their footsteps but it has a smaller footprint i'm going to be pretty excited
0: and you also know how just how much i love sports sedans they're like my favorite kind of car um in in the entire industry so the g70 is a brand new one and they're promising some pretty cool stuff like a rear-wheel drive powertrain and a manual transmission so you got to tell me all about that okay
1: i definitely will so thank you everyone for listening and have a great week bye